This reading is from Matthew 24, verse 3 to 35. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see standing in the, in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time, so if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the desert, do not go out. Or, here he is, in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the, sun, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all the things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. This is the word of the Lord. What does the future hold? That's our question for this evening. What does the future hold? Uh, now, we had a, a Chinese last night uh, before the football, uh, so I saved my fortune cookie. I thought it might be fun to, to see live uh, what it said. Uh, of course, I know I've got to get into it. Um, so I don't know if you, 
enjoy fortune cookies or not. Uh, but let's have a look. Oh, I've made a mess there. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so my fortune is poppy is your lucky flower. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, but um, I think people have a, a fascination, don't they, with uh, trying to work out uh, the future. Um, are things going to get better or worse? Uh, when's the world going to end? We've got uh, disaster movies, uh, fiction about dystopias. Um, and I don't know if you remember uh, 2012, there was a big fuss over a Mayan calendar ending. Not quite sure what that was about. Uh, but it seems to be a, a common thing that humans want to, to look into the future and try to work out what's happened, or what will happen, rather. Um, but it turns out that the disciples were exactly the same. Um, last week, uh, we saw that Jesus uh, called out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, uh, and then he and his disciples headed out of the temple, and the disciples were amazed at what they saw of the building and then Jesus said, this temple is going to be destroyed. Here's uh, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 24. Uh, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. It's quite a bold prediction. Um, Herod the Great had only just finished expanding this temple. Uh, here's what we thought it, think it might look like. Um, it had been the, the biggest construction project uh, of the previous century. Uh, it was certainly the biggest and most solid building in Judea. And here was Jesus saying, it's all going to come tumbling down. So naturally, the disciples want to know more. Uh, verse 3, uh, if you've got it in front of you, do look at it. Um, Jesus uh, was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your, your coming and of the end of the age? And we're going to spend some time this evening looking at Jesus' answer to that question. But before we get there, I want us to think uh, briefly about how we should read Matthew 24. See, some people get uh, really excited when they come to passages like this. Uh, that you can use them to, to work out, uh, do, some, do some maths or something, and work out uh, when Jesus is going to return, what date it will be. So, you know, they say, well, if, if Hitler was the Antichrist, uh, and that earthquake was this sign, uh, that eclipse was that sign. But that's not Jesus' intention, uh, as we're going to see. So there's a couple of things that we need to remember as we read this chapter. Um, First, we need to remember that there are multiple horizons. There's a, a subtle assumption in the way that the disciples ask their question. They're actually asking about three separate things. Uh, so uh, they ask, uh, when will this happen? In other words, when will the temple be destroyed that they were just talking about? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? But they ask all, about all of those things in one question. Their view of it is that it's all going to happen at once. It's all one and the same. And Jesus will address all of these three parts. 
Uh, but he has a different view of how things are going to happen. Uh, it's a bit like uh, this. If you've ever been walking in the mountains um, and you've been going for a while, uh, climbing uphill, puffing a little bit, uh, and you look up to see where you're going, there's the top. We're almost there. Uh, and you go, go a little bit further, you keep going, uh, and you get to where you saw before, and suddenly, oh no, there's more mountain to go. Uh, you're not at the top at all. Um, you've got more to go. See, the disciples are, are down at the bottom. Uh, they can only see one peak as they look up. Uh, and so they think that all these events in the future uh, are going to happen at the same time. But for us, we're past that first peak. Uh, and we can see more. So we'll see later that uh, the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, uh, that's the first peak. We're past that. So we can see that there's still more to come. Jesus, of course, he has a, a bird's eye view. Uh, he can see the whole picture. So as we read chapter 24, uh, remember that there are multiple horizons. Secondly, we need to remember that these are signs uh, and not a checklist. If we jump down to uh, the end of the section, uh, Jesus actually tells us how to interpret what he's just said. Verse 32, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, writes at the door. After a long uh, COVID winter, I think the leaves appearing on the trees uh, this year have been particularly welcome. I don't know how you feel. But what I don't think uh, most of you will have done is when that first leaf came out, uh, you got your calculator out and said, okay, that means that uh, summer is going to arrive in exactly 92 days, five hours, and four minutes. That's when we'll be able to have our first barbecue, and summer's really here. Now, the leaves just told us that uh, spring was here, summer was on its way, uh, and we could look forward uh, to some sunshine. Uh, less so this evening, but um, you could start getting ready uh, for what's coming, but you didn't know exactly when it's going to come. The events that Jesus talks about aren't uh, to be ticked off a list, uh, dates to be calculated. They're signs that point to the season that we're in, and they help us to understand, uh, to be prepared for the future. So bearing those two things in mind, there are multiple horizons in view, uh, and it's signs, not a checklist. Uh, let's look at Jesus' response to the disciples' question. Um, and rather than sort of points, we've got a, a, a timeline uh, today. Uh, so we're going to start, uh, obviously, with uh, where Jesus is. Uh, so I've represented that with a cross, for obvious reasons. Um, and we're going to go all the way uh, to the end. Uh, so we need to know where we are. Here we go. Uh, so let's put us in 2021 uh, over here. Um, and we're going to start with the current age. So we're going to start with the time that we're in right now, which is actually uh, sometimes called, called the last days elsewhere in the Bible, um, but it's everything from Jesus uh, past where we are now 
until Jesus comes again. Uh, and this is where Jesus starts his response. At verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but to see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. These are all the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. Jesus is preparing his disciples for what's to come. See, they're still thinking short-term. They've just been talking about the temple being destroyed. Uh, They think Jesus is going to come again and make everything right. And that there's not too much to worry about. It's all going to happen very soon. But Jesus says it's not that simple. And there's a lot that's going to happen before we reach the, the end. Remember, though, this isn't a checklist. Uh, we could probably check all those things off the list uh, this year uh, if it was. There's no dates and times associated with the events here. Instead, it's the pattern of the current age. There's going to be disaster, natural disasters, human disasters. They're going to keep on happening. This is normal life in a fallen world. It's normal life in a world that knows it's coming to an end. Now, Jesus calls them the beginning of birth pains. So there's a, there's a new and better world that's coming. And this current one isn't going to go quietly. How does that help us? Well, Jesus is clear. Don't be deceived and don't be alarmed. Maybe you uh, read the news and feel rather overwhelmed. Uh, Or you're scrolling through um, social media and you see all the the bad stuff going on. I wouldn't blame you for feeling overwhelmed. You might look to the future and see climate change, overpopulation, increasing international tensions. Maybe you think the world is going downhill, and maybe it is. Don't be alarmed, Jesus says. All that doesn't mean that God isn't in control. It doesn't mean that his plan has been derailed. Jesus says this is just what life will be like in the current age uh, before the end. And don't be deceived. Don't let uh, others persuade you that God isn't in control. Don't listen to people Uh, who claim that they are in control. I guess there's a few that might come and say, I am the Christ, and they're probably easy to spot. But others might be more subtle. Uh, They'll come and say that uh, this new technology is going to save everyone. Or with with my idea, we can uh, end all wars. They might be good aims and good things. Uh, but I can promise that they won't be able to solve everything. So don't put your hope in them. Don't follow them. Instead, follow Jesus, uh, who will solve it all. In the current age, don't be deceived. Don't be alarmed. Well, verse 15, uh, the tone changes somewhat. Uh, It becomes more specific. 
Which brings us to the second part of the timeline, uh, the destruction of the te temple. That goes shortly after Jesus. There. So Jesus says uh, in verse 15, when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. The disciples had asked when the temple would be destroyed, and this is what Jesus tells them. He points them to a prophecy in Daniel at chapter 11, uh, which tells of the temple being desecrated uh, and Jerusalem destroyed. And that's exactly uh, what happened. We have some really detailed accounts from Josephus uh, of what happened in 70 AD. Uh, Ju Judah rebelled, uh, the Romans came, uh, besieged Jerusalem, and ultimately flattened the city. They brought standards of the divine Caesar into the temple. Uh, that's the, the abomination standing in the holy place. Uh, and they carried out its treasures. But what's interesting is that apparently lots of the Christians escaped. They fled the city before the Romans fully surrounded it. Clearly, they'd read Matthew or knew the story of what Jesus had said, and they trusted his instructions, followed them, and got out. Which helps us to see uh, that we should do the same. Uh, not get out, uh, that the flee to call isn't relevant to us. That event has already happened back in 70 AD. But it shows us that everything else in this passage is just as certain. If that happened, we can trust Jesus uh, for the rest. So trust Jesus' words just as much as those early Christians did, enough to, to leave their homes behind. As the, the Christian worldview continues to get pushed out of society in this country, other worldviews will inevitably come in. You might experience friends uh, mocking you for believing in a future as described in the Bible. Uh, people will claim to, to know uh, better for themselves the direction that the world is heading in. But in verse 25, Jesus says, See, I have told you ahead of time. He is the one who really knows what's going on. So trust him. And finally, we come... Uh, to the coming of the Son of Man at the end of the age. Oh. Okay. This is when Jesus will finally return. Verse 26. If anyone tells you there he is out in the desert, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes in the east is visible even in the west, so will be the, the coming of man. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Remember the disciples had asked, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, it won't be a secret sign known only to a few. Don't believe anyone 
Uh, he tries to tell you otherwise. It won't be a, a diversion sign that is uh, completely confusing. You won't need a, a handbook or to pass the test uh, to recognize it. It will be obvious uh, to everyone. Uh, I heard on the radio uh, this week uh, a story of um, some hospitality workers, uh, chefs and doormen, that kind of people, um, who uh, were, had to work during the England-Germany game uh, last week. Uh, they were desperately trying to avoid any spoilers for the game. Uh, they didn't want to know the score at all. Uh, they wanted to be able to go home uh, and watch it fresh. Uh, but as you can imagine, that was completely impossible. I think you'd have had to have been uh, in the middle of Dartmoor on your own uh, to have not heard the cheers when the two goals went in. The sign uh, of Jesus' return will be completely obvious. It will be unavoidable. Uh, you're not going to miss it. Uh, and the main application for this actually comes um, next week uh, in a couple of parables. Uh, and we'll see that uh, with Andrew, uh, that Jesus wants us to be ready for that day. But for now, we can look forward to the day when Jesus' angels will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Life is often hard. That's not going to change in this current age. But remember, the leaves on the fig tree are coming out. Jesus will return. And if you're a Christian, that is the best news to look forward to. If you're not a Christian, then I think this passage gives you some things to think about. What does your worldview say about uh, what's the current age uh, and about the future? Does that line up with reality? If Jesus was right about 70 AD, could he be right about everything else? And what will be your reaction uh, when the sign of the Son of Man uh, appears in the sky. The nations mourn because it will be clear then that the power they thought they had was only an illusion, that God will now hold them to account. But for those who trust in Jesus, they will welcome his return because they know that he will save them. So what does the future hold? Well, I can't tell you what's going to happen next week or even tomorrow. But we know what life is like in the current age. We know that the temple was destroyed just as Jesus said it would be. And we know that Jesus is certain to return. And when he does, we won't miss it. So look forward to that. Don't be deceived or alarmed in the meantime. And keep standing firm. Amen. That's great. So thank you for your questions. We'll try and get through as many as we can. But So our first question says, in verse 34, Jesus mentions that their generations will not die, but it's been roughly 2,000 years. So where is he? Yeah, great. Thank you for this question. Um, I thought someone might uh, mention this, which is why I didn't <laughs> uh, spend time on it in, in the main talk. But um, there's a couple of different um, thoughts on this. Uh, some people try and sort of get out of, get out of it by um, uh, saying that Jesus maybe didn't mean a literal generation, that he maybe just meant 
uh, all Christians or something. Um, but uh, I think the most natural uh, way of, of dealing with this verse is, is what does Jesus mean by um, uh, all these things have happened? Um, because through the passage, um, we've seen that there's, kind of, there's the multiple horizons, um, things get a little bit jumbled up, um, and there's a couple of places where he says all these things, uh, and actually is only referring to um, some of the events. Uh, so the generation that Jesus was talking to uh, wouldn't have, not all of them would have passed away by the time they got to 70 AD, so they would have seen all of those things. Um, the generation that is right at the end, and they will see the sign uh, of the Son of Man coming, and they will see Jesus returning. They will see all those things. Uh, and we will all see the things in the current age. Um, we're, we're seeing uh, the wars, etc., uh, going on around us. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that is probably the most natural way of reading that verse. Um, because, yes, self-evidently, um, Jesus hasn't come in the last 2,000 years. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, next question we have, why will all people mourn in verse 30? Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, so, uh, I'm not quite sure the translation, uh, verse 30, uh, the one I've got here, is it's all the nations of the earth. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's not necessarily including uh, all Christians. That's just more generally um, there will be people across the world who are mourning. The reason they're mourning, um, I think we see elsewhere, is uh, what the coming of the Son of Man means. Um, I hinted at the end that it, it will mean um, that everything is exposed. Uh, that is when judgment will happen. Um, and at that point, everyone is going to know that that's uh, what's going to happen. It will be, uh, as we said, completely obvious that Jesus has come. Uh, and so for everyone who has decided uh, not to follow Jesus, they will realize that they've made a mistake. Uh, and that's going to be uh, a cause for mourning for them. Um, obviously, for, for Christians, it's a, it'll be a great day. It's the day that we're all waiting for. Uh, but yeah, for those who, who aren't trusting Jesus, that is the moment that uh, they will realize that God is really in charge. Um, yeah. I've got one about God's love. So why does God allow most people's love to grow cold or people to be deceived? Okay, yeah, tricky. Um, and uh, I don't think this passage in particular answers that question. Um, but the Bible tells us that um, there, are, there are two sides of the coin. Um, that uh, God is in complete control, but also that as humans, we have responsibility for our, our actions um, and that we have a choice whether to uh, follow Jesus uh, or to reject him. Um, and that those are the only two options. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, it is as much uh, our fault um, for... Uh, not loving Jesus, that it is um, God's. Um, and I think in most cases, the Bible says, uh, response to that is, is just don't let your love grow cold. Um, it's, a, it's there as a warning 
um, for us, uh, that we don't want that to happen, uh, and we should uh, strive to keep running the race, um, to keep going, uh, but confident that Jesus does the work. Uh, it is his uh, death on the cross that means that we are saved, and that we just need to trust in that. Um, yeah, so that's the short answer to a very big question. Right. We've probably got time for one more question. Yeah. So, is it natural to be afraid about Jesus' second coming? If it isn't, how can we today be not afraid? Uh, I think this comes back to, to the question about mourning, actually. Um, I think uh, it's, a, it's a scary event, and um, whether you should be afraid of it depends uh, on where you stand. Um, if you are trusting in Jesus, uh, then it is a great day. Um, and uh, so the way, the way to not be afraid is to trust him uh, and to keep uh, reading his promises that it will be a great day. Uh, keep uh, praying, keep uh, trusting his word uh, when he says that um, those who stand firm will be saved. Uh, Jesus won't let anyone go uh, who comes to him. Uh, so we don't need to be worried uh, about that day. Um, but yeah, if, if you're not trusting Jesus, then it, I think it gives you something to, to think about um, because the Bible does say that um, it's going to be a scary day when Jesus comes. Um, yes, That's great. great.